0: Just something about that bugle.
1: It <laughs> yeah, gets you going. It gets uh, yeah. you going. And it's Thursday. It's a fan. I'm you know what? I'm just gonna say it. I can't wait for the fucking clock to change already on Sunday. I hate when it's dark in the morning. And it's gotten very dark over the last few days.
0: Oh my god.
1: Closer. So like I'm ready. I'm ready for like the sun to be up a little bit earlier and to get this thing rolling.
0: I am speaking this morning. Uh, to the this, this sales group, which I do every quarter for Closet Factory. And driving here was pitch black, man. Yeah, you know, I got, so I got so here at 7.15. It was still dark, man. Right. Like, no. Exactly. So, exactly. You know, so I, and I work out. My trainer's great. My new trainer is all about early. So he, he texts me. He goes, it's 4.45. I'm here. I'm going, let's go, baby. You know? <laughs> so spent, spent one hour boxing, I'm up. I'm alive. I'm feeling great. Crazy, crazy stuff. Good morning, Devin. Devin's excited about the time change. Um, Come next year, we won't have one.
1: I know. It's mind-blowing that this is going to be the last time that we're doing this. But good morning, Jonathan Aarons. Good morning, Howie Craw. Good morning, Devin. Good to see you guys in here. Make sure when you get into the Noodleberg Daily Huddle page, whether you're coming through LinkedIn, I don't care where you are, Right. Let's get a like. Let's get a comment. Let's say good morning. Let's push the engagement and make yourself visible. We don't know you're here. We can't interact with you if you're not saying good morning to us. So would absolutely love to see your name pop up so that we can say good morning. Melissa, good morning. Zenya, good morning. Paula, good to see the regular crowd shuffling in.
0: So what's cool is that some of the work I'm doing with people, I'm starting to see Huddlers show up in their stuff. So Matt Gregorio, who we worked with yesterday, uh, Josh Vandegrift was in his feed, man. It was yes. in, his, in his world, man. We connected the dots. So um, could not talk anything further than there was a perfect, um, I mean, a no-hitter last night.
1: So this is, <laughs> I was hoping you were going to bring this up. No saying, like, first of all, good morning, Jim Walker. Looking forward to talking to you this afternoon. Excited about that. But this is the pinnacle of the sport, right? Like, this is the World Series. And the people are excited about no hitting happening for the entire game. No thank you. Absolutely well, not. I'm not interested in watching that. <laughs> so. See, here's what's
0: cool, though, is the night before – they were on fire. Everything, you know, five home runs. On fire. fire. There
1: was three home runs. <laughs> five,
0: five. Three, five, whatever, you know, five. So it's, uh, you just never, you never know what you're going to get with, with, uh, you know, with baseball. It's all crazy, crazy kind of, uh, crazy kind of thing why don't we get this thing rolling it's your show so
1: let's wake up and then we've got some great pieces of content for conversation today it's national cliche day so we're going to grade and talk about some of the best and worst cliches and then we're going to talk about the hundred to zero rule which i love this one because this is going to talk about people's feelings But before we do any of that let's wake up let's go
0: feelings I was just going to say, I, I had the chances, people talking baseball still. Uh, we got the chance to talk to Brendan Neef yesterday. I hadn't spoken to him, but he lives in Houston. He is an Astros fan. Uh, we talk football. I mean, it's so great. I mean, a coaching call. And, you know, predominantly talking about football, baseball, betting, what's going on.
1: (laughs) Sounded very productive of a call.
0: (laughs) You know what? There's always a business case that you can take out of it. So we we make it work. But before we
1: can go on with the show, I want to make sure that everybody remembers that today at one o'clock, we've got Jen Letterer doing her communication workshop, her communication workshop. uh, uh, you know workshop that's going to be absolutely fantastic I'm excited about it it's a kickoff to her four-week course which will start the following week so today is free today is a great opportunity for everybody to get in and learn I'm excited about sitting in there I will be learning I'm sure there'll be great takeaways for us to share tomorrow on the show but I'm pumped about wait, it wait, wait, wait,
0: what's going on here Rod White is here this morning rick whalen is here this
1: morning you know what i bet they're here more often than not but we pushed everybody to say good morning this morning and that's what it's about is creating the visibility for yourself so that we can say good morning make sure that we know that you're here and uh get the opportunity to interact and engage but today is national cliche day and so we've got a list here i've got the list in front of me they've got some great grades and comments on it but uh, before we get to the list is there a single cliche that is your favorite or or least favorite of all time?
0: I, so there's many um like for me the cliche oh that's just the way we do it around here is like Right. What what, what does that mean? But right. the th- that mirrors their number 1 on the list is you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Right. You know and, and so I I think like is there any more moronic statement ever, you know like <laughs> first of all who's talking about dogs <laughs>
1: <laughs> so uh, we can grade these we can talk about these in a lot of different ways like oh the melissa graves comes in one oh and i would love for everybody to just come in with like their favorite cliches or their favorite sayings in the comments so that we can talk about those as well but you know can't teach an old dog new tricks it's not actually factual right like i don't care how old the dog is I've been in dog training dogs that have had really, really bad habits and you see them after five minutes in the class, they're sitting, they're laying, they're doing all different kinds of things. So like, to me, it's not even factual. So I don't even understand why people use it and why you would verbalize that and actually put yourself into a category of being like, oh, well, I'm an old dog and I won't learn new tricks. It's just all bad. So,
0: so a lot of these are crazy like that. But Scott Oglesby, I'm going right for the throat here, brother. Right, that's your saying. It is, it is what it is. Is fucking reality, dude. And it's like, what's wrong with that? that is Scott, I would love to know, know why you
1: hate it. Is what it is, because I am also. I mean, I was raised on it anyway. You know, but here, here's a here's a cliche for you that I will that you gave to me, and Jake and I spent a bunch of our coaching time yesterday talking about this but luck is for the unprepared. That is one of the all time cliches that I absolutely love. I think some people roll my eyes at me or roll their eyes at me when I say that, but it's true. I think it is as true as true gets, no matter, no matter whether there's a slight bit of luck involved with it at all, in order for you to actually be able to make it luck, you gotta be prepared for that opportunity to happen.
0: If you're sitting waiting, and wishing on a lucky star or a lucky charm, whatever, you're going to get blasted. You're going to get run over. So, you know, the idea that luck plays a role in it, I, I don't I don't subscribe to that. I want to put myself in the best position so that the right things can happen. You know, the work I do, putting so much good in the universe, the boomerang comes back. You no know, luck involved in that. I just know I'm doing the right stuff. So... You know, I got a lot. You of bad said it, You said
1: you put yourself in position, and that that what it that's always what it's got to be about is the preparation and the positioning. Because if something fortunate does happen in your world, but you're not there to take advantage of it, it's not luck. It's not good luck because it doesn't happen. <laughs> so some <like, laughs> so people people
0: say to me, "Wow, you, you know, you you're showing me all these things that happen to you on LinkedIn. You're really lucky." Bullshit. Oh, <laughs> No, no. Right, right, I'm at the party every day I'm, I'm showing up so that good things can happen to me in this platform and people say to me well I'm, I'm only there once a week you know and somebody just recently asked me this like how often do I need to be in LinkedIn for it to work I go what didn't you understand about it? every day
1: right <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> so like Jim Barrett says the grass is always greener on the other side this is a great cliche in, in, in my mind but it rates really poorly because the reality is, is that the grass definitely could be greener on the other side. Like if you're sitting in a yard that sucks, it's very possible that that other yard is way better than the yard you're in, which in reality in life, if you're worried about the other person's yard or you're worried about what's on the other side, you're not going to live very well in the yard. So
0: my absolute favorite, and, you know, thank Rick Whalen for being here and nailing it. Fake it till you make it is there a more moronic thing like right. fake <laughs> you can't fake you know, anything can't fake anything it's we're living in a world where you got to be genuine and authentic and, and if you if don't you're know something
1: there's 0% chance you're going to make it <laughs> this is what he
0: said you're, you're absolutely guaranteed so but here's the thing a lot of these sayings if you come up with another one that fits that like i say act as if act as if you're the millionaire act as if you're, you know, you're doing great. Nobody wants to see you act as like depressed. and Nothing's happening to me. They want to see you do that, so you can act as if something's happening to you. Act as if you're the CEO of the company. You'll make different decisions. It's not faking it. That's acting. So, c- sort of, a, you know, that's the thing with all of these: is the grass greener? If you're looking at the other grass and not taking care of your own
1: grass, that's the problem. <laughs> And, and, and Rod White says closed mouths don't get fed, right? There's, there's truth and like also sometimes it's not appropriate to be speaking. So like understanding that, yes, there's a time and a place and you have to be willing to ask for the things that you want and you have to be willing to step up and speak when the time is right, but that doesn't mean that you should be speaking all the time. So yes, in reality, there are some closed mouths that don't get fed. That doesn't mean your mouth should be open all the time
0: <laughs> you know people get uh known for their sayings you know i got sure. known for tell, tell me something good that was a you know a lever into the marketplace where they go wow i took a, a phrase and i just owned it um less brown if you don't know Les brown you should he's really one of the greatest stories of a guy who came from you know it's you know in elementary school they said he was had some kind of disability learning disability Boom, he overcame that. He's one of the world's best known. He says, used to be is don't make no honey. Because <laughs> <laughs> people I ah, used to be, and you know what? If you remember the story, when, when I exited um, you know, the phone business and I took all that time off, I thought the phone would be lit up with people saying, hey, let's do something together. You know what? All of a sudden, I couldn't give them free phones and free
1: airtime.
0: (laughs) I was done, right? So (laughs) I was walking around saying, oh, I used to be involved in this and I used to be that. My dad pulled me aside. He goes, no one gives a shit what you used to do. What are you going to do? You know, so, I mean, really, that's so meaningful.
1: So I love it. And Jim talked about a great one, which is, um, where was it?
0: Rubbing or racing? No,
1: actions speak louder than words, which was the one that I, but it's the hardest one to live especially when you're dealing with people and when you have somebody on your team that you really want to be successful you're trying to get them to do the right things, but you have to look at the reality of the situation and Oh, I'm going to go to Scott Oglesby. It is what it is. You got to look at the reality of, I love. So Scott Oglesby comes in, but you have to look at it and say, Hey, look, I know I hear you saying you want to do this, but everything else that you're doing is telling me that you don't. So where's the disconnect here and truly being able to operate in that place of your actions speak so loudly. I can't hear what you're saying or your actions are louder than your words. I think that's one of my favorite all time cliches.
0: Yeah. I I mean, uh, you know, the, the idea here, it is what it is. It, you know, I tell people it's not an excuse. It's a fact. Like if you, Get to the goal line and you don't cross it, it's not a touchdown. I don't care how much you wish and hope and whatever, it's not a touchdown. It is what it is. Whatever you know, when you play golf, you can talk to yourself blue in the face, thinking that you did great. Show me the scorecard, right? That's what I would tell my salespeople it's like, Listen, you can come up with every excuse in the world today. I'm going to be talking about objections. Objections are just you telling a story to yourself to make yourself feel good you really unpack it and say what did i miss here why is this person not engaging with me it's usually a value conversation they don't see the value for the money i'm asking you know so that's where it is what it is and so uh, you know people leaders especially who use it all things suck that's just the way it
1: is it's complete it shouldn't be an excuse for inaction right like you can accept that something is a reality but if you're using that as the excuse to not have action after it or to not do something about it, then it's a problem. Like I watched the 60 minute interview with Dion about what it's what it was like working at an HBCU and how he's done what he's done there. And he has to accept the reality that he doesn't have the same resources that everybody else does, but he doesn't use that as the excuse. Not try to create change and not try to push things forward. So it's awesome.
0: I I love it. I mean, uh, the one with John Jonathan Aaron's is a great one. You know, the when when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. When when I you know I always say when life gives you lemon, uh, lemons add tequila.
1: Yeah, make a cocktail. Right. (laughs) Right. And Josh Vandergrift with a great one almost only counts with horseshoes and hand grenades like that's also not the case right like if you are just off of hitting a big hairy audacious goal you did something really really well so uh great conversation absolutely fun stuff talking about cliches we are going to wait go wait, to wait look at yet. gino look at gino man boom right <laughs> outside the box what are you doing in the box what
0: are you doing in the box man put him in the box
1: put him in the box Uh, thank you gino that's a great way to close that segment so we are going to go to the number one hit in november 3rd um excited about this one let's play some morning motivational music and then we're coming back come on baby just party with me let loose and set your body free Situation's at the door, so when you step inside, jump on the floor. Get your body bumping. I told you, leave your situations out the door. So grab somebody and get your ass on the dance floor. The name of that song is Family Affair. And thank you, Jonathan Ahrens, for teeing that up for me, because that would be chapter four in the book that I wrote. So um, number one hit, November 3rd, 2001. Always love, Mary. Love to see everybody uh, shouting it out and enjoying it. But this next conversation I'm really, really excited about because this is based in science. This is based in a scientific study, right, out of a sports journal uh sports behavior journal. And what they found was, is that negative coaching, negative feedback, right? And I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that I get this correct. So let me quote it, quoted exactly. A uh, study published in the journal of sports behavior found that verbal aggression, think yelling at or yelling to, right. Was negatively related to motivation and effect as were negative behavior Alteration techniques such as character attacks, competence attacks, teasing, ridicule, threats, profanity, in any kind of effective way. S-
0: slicing, your, slicing your slicing their tires, all of that stuff.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> so what, what's interesting is I think the the stereotype that comes out of college football coaching is this nasty authoritarian, is this person that when something is wrong, the feedback is violent, it's aggressive, and it's in your face. And what this study has shown is that not only does it not work out well, it doesn't even reach the audience, they don't even hear it, they tune it out. And so what they're saying is, is that if you're trying to truly coach people and develop them, you have to find a way or you have to feed them positive feedback in order to keep them developing, I would love to hear your take on this. Oh
0: boy. (laughs) So I was the one who found the article. I shared it with Jake. I didn't grow up that way. I grew up tough love, man. You know, like that motivated me because I think we all want to please the person we're working with or for, or you want to kind of pull your own weight. So when I got yelled at, it was disappointing, but, you know, it motivated me because I was taught that it motivated me. So I lived in that world. Then I watched you guys play football and football, man, they were mfing you guys all over the place. You know, I remember, I don't remember who it was sitting next to me going, are they allowed to talk to the kids that way? Cause it was, you know, yep. wow, man. You know, so you're talking about 16, 17 year old kids or maybe even younger getting MF on the sidelines. So I am that leader that, Uh, has aggression i'm very high strung i'm very in the moment i i act like there's you know a lot of emotion um i've gotten better at it but i think the better person to ask is shay because shay you know lives with me basically and understands and and he has learned to tune it out he doesn't react either way. Correct. You guys have seen that. I mean, you guys wouldn't work with me directly. No. You know?
1: no. <laughs> so- no I would never take Shay's job, not in a thousand years. Shay, before. jump in. Jump so down. Rick Whalen talks about giving them a shit sandwich, right? Which is good, bad, good. The study talked about the ratio, right? Or the feedback ratio, which is positive feedback to negative feedback or, you know, celebratory versus reprimanding. And they said, you know, four to one is good, five to one is good, but that elite leaders live the hundred to zero. And all they do is point out the positive behavior all of the time and spend little time or no time reprimanding the bad, I don't think that that's good advice. I think if you choose to ignore, now here's where another chapter from my book, the good, the bad, the ugly. This This was a process that we went through every single Sunday after a game, which was let's show the good, let's celebrate the good, let's show the bad and let's correct the bad, and then let's show the ugly And make an example of the ugly to let people know what wouldn't be tolerated. So yes, you wanted to have 100 goods for the maybe a couple bads and maybe the one ugly or you'd love to have no ugly. But the reality is you can't ignore it. You can't only live in the positive and assume that the bad behavior is not going to continue if you don't address it.
0: So, So I agree. That's where I came up with the what's working, what's not working what's working, let's celebrate what's, let's make you feel good. Yeah, I don't need to totally take you out at the knees. Then what's not working. And in a lot of cases, like especially when they used to work directly for me, I knew what wasn't working. If they wouldn't own it, I would sure. own it. I would say, Hey, listen, here's what I see. That's not working. You know, here's what I need to see. And, you know, so we would focus on that. Um, for me, the challenge was always in the moments You know, and and I think that's a big problem for coaches is they're in the moment. They're all fired up. They got their emotions going. And then, you know, it's not necessarily directed towards that person. That's where I've grown as a leader because I didn't get the results
1: I wanted, you know, and the latter part of that. That shows you that. So just because you're giving negative feedback doesn't mean it has to be in a way that's aggressive or that's attacking or that's emotional if you want to find the most constructive way to deliver criticism, you've got to find a way to remove the emotion from it and be very matter of fact, maybe not be so direct, depending on who the person is. I'm not saying beat around the bush, but the worst collisions are head on collisions.
0: Oh, uh, wow. Really?
1: That's a good one. If Ooh, you're dealing a, that's with a somebody, That's nobody. a good cliche. That's a good cliche. So if you're dealing with somebody that, you know, is a very direct person, the best way to try to engage with them on criticism is never going to be to go head on with them. But it's going to try to be to come at it from the flank or come at it from an indirect approach to still get to what you need to do.
0: So, I mean, you work for lots of guys who were either good examples or bad examples. Coach Bowden. A yeller or
1: no, no, never. Not one time in the history wow. of his career was he in somebody's grill. Now, to be to be, you know, give him credit, he allowed the coaches on his staff to be who they were. Mickey Andrews was an absolute animal. I mean, was just but berserk. And if you listen to guys like Dion, like T Buck, the guys who played for him, that that molded them to who they were. They they learned how to take that but there were for sure some great talents that did not make it underneath mickey because they couldn't deal with who he was as a person jimbo was the exact opposite of coach bowden which there was yelling and screaming and and madness all the time and so what i've seen in texas a&m is that it's florida state 2.0 it may work initially it may create some change initially but if you're looking for sustained culture, if you're looking for sustained success, you have to understand how to work the ratio of positive feedback and managing negative feedback in order to continue to celebrate the, the behaviors that you really want in an organization.
0: Incredible uh, conversation, all awesome. good stuff. Funny enough, uh, this morning, Shay and I got here We're going over some work, doing the prep for the presentation and I knocked over a cup of coffee and it like spilled on him and he goes, what are you, Jimbo? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that story stuck. Excellent. Story I stuck. Love it. So we're way, way over time. Let's go. So you guys have a great Thursday. We'll see you at one o'clock for Jen Letterer and then we'll see you tomorrow. Let's get down to business. Please don't worry about me. I'm about to let my heart spin friends keep telling me to leave this So let's get down, let's get down to business Let's get down, let's get down to business